You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Studio, welcome to another Colts Blue Zone Podcast. I'm Dave Griffiths alongside Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins. And if you're tuning in to this podcast, there's a good chance that you already know the major focus of today's uh, pod for you all. It is going to be very uh, Carson Wentz heavy. It's going to be COVID issues heavy because uh, that's what the Colts are dealing with right now as they try to lock down a playoff spot with the win over the Las Vegas Raiders this weekend in Indianapolis. Broadcast in central Indiana on Fox 59, 1 o'clock p.m. Sunday afternoon. Colts Blue Zone pregame show, as always, at 11.30 a.m. on Sunday morning over on CBS4. We'll preview this matchup with an injury update. We'll break down keys to the game. We'll make predictions. But, guys, we got to start uh, with uh, the news that on Tuesday, the Colts placed Carson Wentz on the uh, COVID reserve list. And Chap originally, that was supposed to be 10 days, and so he would certainly miss the uh, Vegas Raiders game. But then literally the exact same day, the NFL changed its policy regarding uh, COVID rules. They've cut it down to a five-day layoff instead of 10-day, as per the new guidelines from the CDC. So the NFL is following step there with the CDC. So five days, excuse me, exactly from Tuesday would be Sunday. And Frank Reich confirmed that, yes, indeed, that is possible for Carson Wentz to get back. But it's not all that stringent, Mike, how he gets back. He doesn't need a negative COVID test. He needs, I'll, I'll, I'll read it down here, five days since the initial positive swab, which he will have, at least 24 hours since his last fever. Other symptoms, like a cough, are either, quote, resolved or improved. So improved is a very gray area. Not that Colts fans will complain about that if they can get Carson Wentz playing, I don't think. And also, the player has to be cleared by a team doctor in consultation uh, with the NFL. So... <laughs> That that is that that's what needs to happen for Carson Wentz to play on Sunday. It's it's no small order, but it's certainly a whole lot better than seeing when the news first broke that the Colts had placed Carson Wentz on the COVID reserve list. Yeah, logistically, what what has to happen is the team has to activate him by four o'clock Saturday, and then he he test he he clears he gets medical clearance on Sunday. So and again, like you said, prior to changing rules. That wasn't going to happen. But keep in mind, not only for him, those guys that went on COVID uh, last Friday and Saturday, Quentin, Darius, uh, uh, I lose names, uh, Zach Pascal, Kari Willis, those guys would not have played either. So it, it, it's extremely good uh, uh, alteration, I guess you'd say. Now, we're not going to know. Uh, what we're, This is Thursday. We're not going to know until, sun, uh, until Saturday afternoon whether there's a chance Wentz plays and the team's not going to tip its hand let's say Wentz is is symptom free today tomorrow they're not gonna they're not gonna put him on they're not gonna activate him why would you I, I keep I keep the Raiders wait you know guessing waiting and guessing so my my my, my gut says he plays and I've got nothing to base it on other than all of a sudden they're they're activating all these guys, what Darius Leonard and I, I, I again I lose track of names, but Darius and Willis and Pascal and Nelson and Terrence and Rocky Sin and Terrence and so basically all the guys that were on last week have now been returned. So it, it, it's case by case, it just is. But he's home and he's preparing virtually. They're doing all their meetings virtually, so he's doing everything they can. I'm sure he'll go over the. Uh, 
practice video. And is this ideal? Absolutely not. But it, it, it beats going into a game where if you win, you're in the playoffs with a rookie quarterback who has yet to throw a pass. And Ch- again, not ideal. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I, I assume that if, because like, we asked Frank Reich this week about the possibility of Phillip Rivers too. And he, he was, I thought, pretty direct with us, pretty straightforward, saying that he did reach out and they talked about the Colts situation. Do you think that if something was going to happen with Rivers, it would have happened already? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because keep in mind, somebody wanted the media in town to, to bring in a guy that there are hurdles he has to clear. Is, is he vaccinated? Does he have to be quarantined five days and all this? And, you know, and, you know by the way, how much are you going to pay him? So it, it, what's funny, though, is when we talked to Frank on Monday, I, I asked Frank, Sort of it just as off the cuff. Have you talked to, to Philip Rivers? And he said no. So they talked to him after we had our, our talk with with Frank, uh, whatever time that was, middle of the mor- middle of the day, or whatever it was. I, again, the days run together. But it, it does tell you that at least they, they internally they thought, well, what what do you think? Is that a possibility? Uh, and, and whether or not it got to the point that we'd, we'd like to bring you in, or Rivers just said no. Because who was it? Uh, the, the Saints reached out to him. I think it was. Uh, he's one of the teams that they reached out to. They also reached out to Breeze. But uh, it, it just didn't work out for whatever reason. Now, whether that partially was because now Wentz, they, they believe Wentz is going to be okay, I don't know. It, it, it may just have been that it just Rivers said, no, I appreciate it. But it, it just doesn't work out. I'm enjoying life after football. And, and again, we, the team could very, very, very much know right now that Wentz is feeling pretty good and will be ready to play. And they're going to keep that in-house uh, because it only suits their purpose to do that. Joe, take me through your roller coaster of emotions on Tuesday. Because were you in the office, first of all, on Tuesday? Were you working or were you at home? I was working in the office. Okay. So, I mean, everything's going down, like one thing after the other. And obviously, you're doing web stuff, and you're putting posting stuff to the web uh, on the store. You're kind of covering as it's going down. You're writing it up as you're feeling these, uh, these ranges of emotions with Carson Wentz or Sam Ellinger or what the heck's going on. Like, what, take, take me through your Tuesday as this is all happening. Well, first thought was Mike and I had just talked about this possibility, you know, less than 24 hours before of for the Monday show. Yeah. And we got to just stop talking about this because... Last Wednesday, when we did our Wednesday show, we just talked, man, the Colts have done a pretty good job about avoiding COVID, and then boom, 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 boom. So it's our fault. And then Monday, we talk about, well, you know, they can probably make up for most players catching COVID as long as it's not Carson Wentz, and then Wentz gets it. So we really just got to stop talking about this stuff here because it's uh, (laughs) indirectly leading to some cases. But in all seriousness, I was just thinking about Sam Ellinger out there throwing against the Raiders and thinking about the Colts could still very well win this game. The Raiders have not been a very good team uh, over the second half of the season. Ellinger is a player who his skill set kind of suits that RPO style that Frank Wright likes to run. And I was just kind of moving ahead. And then all of a sudden the new rules came out and I just kind of, you know, let it go until the dust settled with the new rules and to see if Wentz could possibly be back or not. Go ahead, Mike. 
Yeah, again, Joe, Joe and I were going back and forth. I filed probably, I don't know, five or six stories, all updates, because you'd file something, <laughs> something, because you all, in today's media environment, you, it, there's no deadlines, and you get it posted when you get it posted. Right. So you posted that you posted he's on COVID. So you say, okay, that's under the rules. It's ten days, and this, that, and the other, and they're going to be without him. And then things kept coming out. And as soon as the new CDC rules come out, that the, the NFL didn't automatically – I mean, it, they had to discuss it with the union. So then you, you redo a story, well, you know, if the NFL adopts these, and then they do – so it's just crazy. It just shows you how in today's media world things change so much, and you try to stay on top of it. You really do. And, uh, and again, it, it, it's every day I, I, we were joking, I maybe on the podcast that you, you hesitate to update your Twitter because you wonder what's coming next. And, and nowadays there's always something coming next. I will say that the other things that come to mind, it's great. All these players are, you know, coming back from COVID, but there's no guarantee that they're going to be a hundred percent coming back from the illness. I mean, we've seen several players kind of come back and say, yeah, I wasn't quite myself. And even this past Sunday, Tyreek Hill played maybe half the snaps in his return for COVID for the Chiefs. And Patrick Mahomes said he was exhausted out there. Um, so just because all these players are back doesn't mean they're all going to immediately return to um, the level of play that they were before the caught, they caught the illness. So that's a concern. Um, but on the flip side of that, it also means that these players are good for 90 days they don't have to be tested for 90 days from when they test positive so it, on one hand you know the timing almost works out because a lot of the Colts marquee players will have gotten COVID and be back on the field in time for the playoffs so it's not like round one or two of the playoffs and all of a sudden they lose Carson Wentz no he's already caught COVID so he's good uh, as long as the Colts remain in things so well, on the one hand you kind of worry about players maybe being a little short-winded coming back from the illness. And then on the other hand, you go, well, at least this didn't happen during playoff time. We can get a lot of these key guys back and ready to go, and they will not be at risk of missing any more time due to COVID. The, the only thing I'll say on the timing is the timing works if if Carson Wentz plays this week. Because as we talked about, as they showed, they can get by with a lot, without a lot of people. They really can. But without Carson Wentz, I just I, – I know Frank's got all the, the confidence in the world in Ellinger. He has the it factor. You know, he does. Okay. But it, it's – there's no guarantee. That, that if they lose out, you know, there, there's a very good chance they don't make the playoffs. So all of you, everything you said is exactly right. This is the time to hit, lose these players because now they're, they're back for the playoffs. But first, you got to get in the playoffs. And that, that's why I say if Wentz is back, winning they're in with all the stuff they've had to deal with, self-inflicted and virus and, and injuries and all that, it's amazing. But you got to get in first. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I feel completely uh, – I don't know exactly what the word is. I should know the word. <clears throat> Unprepared to talk about Sam Ellinger as a starting quarterback in the NFL right now. Like, I just don't know what to expect. Uh, exactly. You, you, and especially with how things went down at the start of the season with um, with, first of all, Frank Reich having the utmost confidence in Jacob Eason 
and then bringing in Brett Huntley and uh, having the utmost confidence in Brett Huntley. And then, then finally, uh, Ellinger returns from his uh, knee injury, and then he has the utmost confidence in in, in Ellinger. So, I, I'm I'm taking Frank as a as a just a positive uh, positive man about his backup quarterback situation, and absolutely no weight at all uh, in in my mind. Does uh, I'm giving it no weight, basically, is what I'm saying. So, well, what, what's the coach supposed to say? Yeah, boy, if we don't have if we don't have Carson, we're screwed. Yep. So, so and I understand it, but. I don't want to say blind faith in the quarterback, but that what we saw in training camp doesn't give you a lot of you know optimism. And I don't, I don't, I'm not dissing Ellinger at all. I'm just saying in this situation, you want something more uh, proven, and not to go into the most important game of a season that's had a bunch of important games, not knowing what you're going to get. I'm not saying this is going to be Iron Book and the Saints at all. I, I'm not saying that. I just – that's why I tell you, and we talked and we maybe all agreed, before all of this even remotely happened, we were, I was critical of them not having a, a proven backup quarterback, veteran. I, I just think it, it made no sense to me. And, and that if Sam would have to start on Sunday, I would say that again. Hopefully that's not the case, and Wentz is back. And I think with Carson Wentz, maybe he's a little under the weather. Players have played, have missed time. It's it's impossible to compare illnesses prior to COVID with this, what we're in now. But players have missed time on Wednesday or Thursday with an illness, and then they get their miracle drugs, and they play, and they're fine. So I think most will be okay. It's case to case, but you've got you've got there's no way you don't feel much much ten times a hundred times better if Wentz plays than someone else. Nothing uh, like having Carson Wentz perhaps unavailable to make you appreciate Carson Wentz. Am I right? Yeah, no kidding. Uh, I was thinking that's a, Frank. That's a great to, point. Yeah, <laughs> Frank would have to pull out the. Uh, same game plan that allowed the Colts to win with 57 yards passing against the Patriots. That's I think true. I think Sam could muster up 57 yards. You would hope that he could muster up 57 yards. So yeah, that, let's let's run down the exact list of players who have returned uh, from the COVID list because it is a lengthy one. I know we've kind of s- sporadically brought them in here and there, but on the offensive line, you've got Quentin Nelson and Mark Lewinsky, both your starting guards, are back. Uh, on defense, you have linebacker Darius Leonard, safety Kari Willis. Cornerback Rock Yassine, defensive end Kamoko Ture, all back. And then as your uh, weapons on offense, you got wide receiver Zach Paschal and uh, tight end Farad Green, I think, on was back from the practice squad COVID list. And then the Colts did place two other practice squad players on the COVID list. That's quarterback James Morgan and tight end Eli Wolf. So it's still kind of creeping its way around, it seems like. You, you hope that nothing pops up Friday or Saturday, but that's exactly what happened last week, Mike. So I'd imagine that, I mean, with, with Carson Wentz, it's going to be an 11th-hour decision. Uh, I'm sure things are going to get pushed back as late as the Colts can manage to make sure he feels as good as he can. And uh, the same thing with with the rest of the roster right now. We we saw exactly what happened last Saturday with the guy like Darius Leonard getting thrown on the list and uh, Pascal and Kari Willis. So we're, we're going to have to pay attention all the way up until kickoff about who's going to play and who's not going to play in this game. Well, because what's crazy is is on game day with Arizona, those guys tested tested negative in the morning. At least Darius Leonard said he did, and then they come back at like one o'clock and ah, not so fast. So you you don't know until you know. Uh, and, and our our next, so we don't get too deep in the woods on 
in the weeds on COVID. Uh, Joe's next thing here is on the injury report. They're going to get Ryan Kelly back. We had a, a very emotional, revealing uh, talk with Ryan Kelly today, and, and and he's back in the building, which which is encouraging on, on so many levels. And we all send our thoughts and prayers to he and Emma for what they've what they I haven't say gone through what they're going through. So that they are getting people back, but I I think there's a good chance Eric Fisher does not play with a what was it a knee injury, and Jack Doyle will see with a knee and a, I guess Fisher's got gosh. Two or three things. Knee. It says, yeah, knee, shoulder, and a toe injury. Right. So, but but you know they, they are getting people back, and but again, and, and t- until you know, you don't know. No, no, absolutely not. But but I definitely wanted to bring up the Ryan Kelly return, chap. And since you were you were on the call with him, uh, what 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 were your takeaways from that? Obviously, you said it was a little bit of an emotional discussion. I know Ryan gave a statement early, and then really didn't answer too many questions about specifics on it, but did get into uh, just like how he felt when he got the game ball and everything that was uh, in, in the win after uh, after everything happened. So, so what what were your takeaways from your discussion with Ryan? Just how, unless you've gone through the experience of losing a son or daughter, you you don't know, and everyone grieves differently, and. His, his primary overriding concern was Emma and how she deals with it. You know, like, like he said, he alluded to, he selfishly said he could go back to practice. He, he, he'd go to work. Well, then that leaves her home. Like he said, tending her dogs. So, but, but he reached out and thanked all, all people, everybody, teammates, family, friends, people he, he, he doesn't know. They, they don't know. He said for people to, to reach out, it, it brings light to, to, to the darkness where you thought there wouldn't be light again. So, uh, but I did ask him, which you know, he read his statement, which was just gut wrenching, and then he said, "Let's keep all the next the questions football." But but I, I did say, "Well, how did you know it was time? How did you know when it was time?" And he just said, "You know, you just kind of know." He said, "This is where at this time, this is where I need to be." Uh, again, Emma. Uh, uh, Mary Kate passed away, and then they had the the funeral uh, last Tuesday, a week ago Tuesday, which was during the preparation for uh, Arizona. And he knew he just knew he he couldn't be back in time, and he he was incredibly grateful to to the Colts, Frank and Chris, to give him. And Frank told us we told him take all the time you need, and they meant it. It wasn't like. Take all the time you need, but you know we really need you. That, that's not the way these guys operate. He he just said he could not, would not leave his him a home on Christmas by herself. He, he, he it's totally understandable. And and then the funeral was Tuesday, and he just he just told the the Colts that I couldn't come back the next day for so many reasons, and then to come back Thursday, he just couldn't be ready. So he he needed his time. But at the same time, again, if you've been through something like like this, it does help to get back to work. It it just does, for for that person, for that person. And uh, talked to a couple of players. And Ty, I asked Ty what how he dealt with. It. He said I just gave him a hug. He said sometimes all you need to do because you don't know what to say. I mean, what do you say? How you feeling? What what? Do you? So he said sometimes a hug is all someone needs. And DeForest Buckner, who's only been here two years. He just said you learn very quickly how much of a family and how 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 genuine and sincere that family is. So it's it's 
it's this is the perfect situation for an unspeakable tragedy to a family to where you've got a team, teammates, owner, coach, GM, who, who embrace you and tell you, do what you need to do, and we're 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 here for you, whatever you need. So, again, it, it on on a personal level, you just send out your thoughts and prayers, uh, and on a football level, it's good to have Ryan Kelly back. Yeah, absolutely, and certainly our thoughts and prayers with Ryan and his family, with Emma in particular, uh, continue to be so with them, uh, because like you said, Chef, this is not something they have gone through. This is something they are going through, and so and they will go through this. Yep. To, to even say that it get it gets easier it does it, it doesn't sound right. I mean, in in a way, it does, but they're so far away from that time that it, it's just so raw right now for them. Yeah. So uh, best wishes to Ryan and his family, and uh, we're certainly glad to see him back on on the field. Uh, Danny Pinter, I think, played really really well in his absence as we get back to football. So uh, the Colts, like Chris Ballard said, he tried to trade up a couple times to Danny Pinter. I think we saw over the past couple games why, Joe, because uh, because he was really impressive, and there were not many serious, if any serious, uh, production uh, production protection issues, especially in in the middle of that Colts offensive line the past couple weeks. Yeah, I was talking here with somebody in the newsroom today that I think Danny Pinter and Chris Reed would probably start on most teams in the NFL. Uh, that's how good the Colts depth is and I mean they, they'd certainly uh, I'm sure Andrew Luck wishes he had Danny Pinter and Chris Reed earlier in his career I know Ryan Kelly came in for for part of Luck's career there but uh, yeah the Chris Ballard got the game ball for a reason when he built such a great depth on that offensive line you knew they were going to need it at some point in the season you didn't know they were going to need it all at once but they, they they pretty much did there for that Cardinals game and it held up pretty well so um, I guess the overriding concern right now is left tackle Eric Fisher because the one spot that's hardest to replace on the offensive line is left tackle. It takes just such a unique skill set to play left tackle in the NFL. And uh, the drop-off, even though Fisher hasn't been great in pass protection this year, the drop-off from Fish to Davenport is still sub- substantial. I'd say, yeah, it is significant for sure. I mean, it, no, again, like I said with Carson earlier, nothing makes you appreciate Eric Fisher like not having Eric Fisher, you know? Uh, Julian Davenport comes in, and there's a reason he's not starting in the NFL right now. There's a reason for that. Like the Col- There's a reason the Colts were able to bring him in like as a backup. Like one or two million. Exactly. And he wasn't even going to be the, perhaps the starter. It was going to be Sam Tevy maybe. And then Sam gets injured in the preseason, and then it's Davenport's job. And he did have one good preseason game back when I remember talking about it, kind of solidifying that spot. And Okay, that was, that was in the preseason, you know? So we're, we're, we're done with that, and, uh, but uh, we may not be done with it because Davenport uh, might be back in the lineup this week. Didn't, uh, didn't, uh, not to cause too much controversy here, but didn't Quentin Nelson start at left tackle against the Raiders last year? Are we going to go down that rabbit hole? <laughs> are, we, are we really? There goes Joe, being a jerk Because, again, again the, the issue is I think there's a good chance Fisher doesn't play, and right now Braden Smith can't play. right. He's still on the list, so yep. so uh, that I was going to say. Well, you know, we could they could they could probably put Matt Pryor over to to left tackle, but uh, he's going to be at right tackle. So it's 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 uh, depth is great. Now every team has depth. every team has depth. You get bodies, but I think th- this is probably the best top to bottom depth they've had on the offensive line. Reliable depth, but. The longer you play your depth, you, you see the lo- the more you see. Well, that that's why 
this guy is not playing. You know, there was a reason Davenport had been inactive for whatever it was, four, five, six weeks. Uh, so so it's it's encouraging to get the interior guys back. I'd love to see Braden Smith get back. Chap also mentioned Jack Doyle out with knee and ankle injuries. Andrew Sendejo also missed practice on Wednesday, still working through his concussion that uh, he suffered. Uh, Joe, you're looking at your phone. Is there a practice report out yet for Thursday? Uh, no, I was pulling up the timing of uh, Braden Smith was placed on the COVID list Monday, correct? Yes, I believe so. So he sh- there's a chance he would also be able to return for Sunday's game, but he would most likely miss an entire week's worth of practice. That That is correct. That is the, the correct uh But I'll get on the practice report. Exactly. Check, check on that. But what we do know about practice on Thursday is that Jim Ursay tweeted out that wide receiver Paris Campbell did return to practice. So that is certainly encouraging. The Colts then followed with the announcement that, yes, they have designated Paris Campbell uh, to return from injured reserve. So, Joe, it had been, it's been two months, two-plus months now since Paris Campbell went down with his injury in October. I think it was mid-October. Uh, so there's a, uh, there's a chance, hopefully, that, uh, that Paris Campbell plays this weekend, but they have now three weeks to activate him to the main roster. Yeah, and it'd be nice to get him back for kind of a playoff run. I know Paris Campbell... Uh, what he was giving the Colts earlier in the year is not exactly what they hoped they'd be getting from Paris Campbell when they drafted him. Uh, he finally had that big play over the top where he connected for, you know, 50, 60 yard touchdown with Carson Wentz. And then it turns out he was injured on that play and would miss uh, several months of football. At very least, Paris Campbell gives this team some depth at wide receiver. And, you know, in the best case scenario, Paris Campbell gives his team another deep threat and somebody who they can get the ball and he can pick up some yards after the catch. Yeah, and the Colts can really use some help on the outside. You know, the really consistent, only consistent player has been Michael Pittman Jr. this year. Uh, T.Y. Hilton has been active in spurts. You know, uh, at tight end, Mo Cox has had a couple of uh, wow plays, but also a couple of eh plays at the same time. Zach Pascal has been really for the first time in his career, maybe a little bit disappointing, I would say, or a little bit underachieving with what yeah, he's, uh, he's done yeah, on the year. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, they, they could use somebody else, another playmaker out there to, to get some to get some yards, get some chunks, another option for Carson Wentz to have. Let's shift gears to the Raiders injury situation. We have lost Mike Chappell, by the way, for the uh, for the day. You can follow him on Twitter at mchapel 51 for his insights there. Also catch him online, fox59.com, cbs4indy.com. But a Beach Grove Wi-Fi failed him again. The, the infamous Beach Grove Wi-Fi. Uh, Darren Waller, the Raiders, placed him on their COVID list on Wednesday. So, Joe, since that's a day after the Colts put Carson on, we know that was the perfect time, quote-unquote, uh, in terms of getting back on Sunday with Waller with one fewer day. He's not going to have enough time to get back. Now, he had missed the previous four games with a knee injury, but the Raiders were hopeful he could return to practice this week. And boy, Waller is one heck of a weapon at tight end for Derek Carr. Some of the reasons for his struggles lately, probably because he hasn't had his best receiving tight end out there. Well, they're not going to have him again this weekend. Yeah, based on the rules, as I understand him, they won't have him back. Um, So not having to worry about Darren Waller will take a huge weight off this defense's shoulders. I mean, we kind of talked about week after week how tight ends were kind of uh, a struggle, a struggle. Uh, You know, one of the areas where teams had been beating the Colts in the past. So not having one of the best tight ends in all of football is uh, definitely a plus for the Colts. You know, Joe, when I was in third grade, uh, I was pretty good. I was I was a good student. I was a good kid. But I, I got on my report card that year. 
course, you're in third grade, you're still pretty young. You're not getting the specific all math and science and all that stuff. You have like all these things that like your behavior is kind of undergraded here. And I got an N, which means needs improvement mm. in um, one thing specifically. It was like talking during class or talking uh, when uh, not paying attention or something like that. And literally every boy in my class got the same N with a note home from the teacher that says, these guys are all just such good friends. They talk to each other all the time. Uh, the, the Colts defense would get an N in uh, covering tight ends this year. All, all that to say, that, that's the payoff for my, uh, for my story from third grade. Yeah, well, it sounds like your report card was a little better looking than my report card. <laughs> Mine was all ins, but <laughs> there's a lot of improvement needed. Nice. But, yeah, I'm glad that, you know, the Colts hopefully won't have to worry about Darren Waller. Uh, terrible situation, but not only are the Raiders down Darren Waller, but the offense has really struggled without Henry Ruggs, who yep. they lost earlier when he uh, was in that drunk driving incident that tragically cost a woman her life. So uh, without their top two playmakers, this offense has kind of been uh, bottom of the league, really. Let's get to uh, their COVID list because the Raiders have six players they placed on it on Monday. So these players would be able to get back on Sunday if indeed they can clear the protocol. Uh, Casey Hayward, a cornerback. And then a slew of linebackers, four of them. Denzel Perryman, a pro bowler last year, along with Corey Littlejohn. Pro K- bowler this year. This year, excuse me. Uh, Corey Littlejohn, K.J. Wright, and uh, Patrick on Wu. Uh, how do you pronounce that Patrick name? Patrick O. Patrick Let's O. Just go with Patrick uh, O. On Wuasor, perhaps. And then defensive tackle Darius Phylon uh, as well. So a bunch of players there, all on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, on the COVID list on Monday. Their practice report, two players did not participate in Wednesday's practice. Defensive tackle Quinton Jefferson, but just a rest day for him. And offensive guard Jordan Simmons out for personal reasons. Limited participation, former Colt Jonathan Hankins, defensive tackle, a back injury for Hank. And linebacker Divine Diablo has a shoulder and elbow injury. You can uh, follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone throughout the week, and we will update you on the news and notes and the practice reports for both the Colts and the Raiders as the game approaches this coming Sunday afternoon. The Colts are 9-6. and six, The Raiders are 8-7. and seven, Two teams right in the thick of the wild card hunt in the AFC. The Colts certainly feel a lot better than the Raiders do right now as just one more win this week over the Raiders would lock them into a playoff spot. Doesn't matter what you do down in Jacksonville, which would certainly be nice given the Colts' history down there in northeast Florida. But the Raiders have won two straight games, so they're maybe finding themselves a little bit. But, Joe, you make a great point. They have won two straight after hitting some mid-year struggles, but these last two wins haven't exactly been all that impressive given the competition they've been facing. Yeah, they've played back-to-back quarterbacks for two straight games, maybe a third back if to Ellinger... Back-to-back backup quarterbacks. Back to, yeah, yes. playing backup cor- replacements. I was going to say, if they played back-to-back quarterbacks, that's really not back all that impressive. Back that's kind of normal. Back-to-back back back backup quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, they beat Cleveland with Cleveland in the midst of their COVID-19 outbreak. They faced Nick Mullins at quarterback and uh, only beat them 16 to 14. I believe it was the last second field goal that got the Raiders that victory. And then uh, this past Sunday, they beat Drew Locke in the Denver Broncos because Teddy Bridgewater is still recovering from his concussion and they only beat them 17 to 13. So they're playing backup quarterbacks and they're still barely winning. Yeah, I think your point of losing um, losing rugs was a, was a big blow with them early in the year. And Darren Waller as well. I, the last time the Colts played him, he was so important to their offense. He made a couple big plays that really got them going here and there that made that a bit of a game. Of course, I, I, if I remember correctly, Derek Carr was targeting Waller on that great Kenny Moore 
one-handed pick in the end zone as well. So, I mean, he goes to him all the time, all the time when he is in there. So he's going to find someone else to pass the ball to. Carr has cooled off after a very hot start to the year. I think he's still top five in the NFL in passing yards on the season because they throw it all the dang time. Um, he last six games, though, only five touchdown passes to four interceptions. Hasn't had a multi-touchdown game during that span. Far different from the first nine games of the year where he had 15 touchdowns and still eight interceptions. So he has thrown a good chunk of picks this year. Uh, the Colts, with their opportunistic defense, their takeaway-oriented defense, Joe, will certainly be trying to get one or two from Derek Carr this weekend. And they have a history of doing that in the times they've played him in recent years. Yeah, they will. Uh, I believe his three straight games, he's thrown one interception and one touchdown. So mm -hmm. uh, if he continues that trend, the Colts will pick one off from him. And you mentioned all those passing yards. He had six 300-yard passing games this season but only one over his last eight games. So he really just came out on fire this year. I believe he topped 300 passing yards uh, the first three weeks of the season and then kind of has slowed down as the year go has gone on. And we've mentioned the reason losing two of his top weapons um, is is going to do that to just about any quarterback. They haven't run the ball as much this year as they have the past couple of years with Josh Jacobs back in the backfield. He's had two thousand yard seasons to start his career in the NFL, but this season Jacobs only has six hundred seventy seven rush yards, so he's about three hundred twenty five short of a thousand with two more games to play. He has 319 receiving yards and seven touchdowns, so he's still dangerous and he's tough to bring down, but he's not. They're, they're not really focusing on the run game this year. It's been a whole lot more pass, even with Darren Waller out, even with Henry Ruggs out. They're really trying to air it out this year for some reason. Josh Jacobs just hasn't been kind of the workhorse he had the first two seasons of his career. Yeah, and this is a team that kind of uh, completely remade most of their offensive line during the offseason. They cut a lot of veterans and cap-saving moves and have replaced them with younger players. It hasn't quite come together yet in an area you really see that is in the run game. The one guy who did stick around is a very, very good left tackle in Colton Miller. Um, so he's done a good job of protecting Derek Carr's blind side. But I don't think their offensive line is really working in unison as you need to have a, a consistently effective running game. At the receiver position, Hunter Renfro in the slot is pretty darn good. He has 92 catches this year, only eight shy of 100. That's always a great benchmark for a receiver to get. Um, not, not exactly explosive plays for the most part, 949 yards receiving, so he's averaging right around 10 yards per catch uh, and six touchdowns as well on the year. He's a good route runner. He's got reliable hands. Uh, Kenny Moore will have will have a great battle, I'm sure, with him or with other, whatever tight ends out there. But I'd expect, Joe, to see Kenny Moore on Hunter Renfro for the majority of Sunday afternoon. Yeah, we've seen that slot wide receiver position really evolve in the NFL. But he's that classic slot, kind of undersized, uh, very quick, very shifty player who runs an excellent route and has great hands. Think of a guy like Wes Welker. Um, type slot player so he's really their top target because like we said their other two targets um, Waller and Ruggs are gone so if the Colts can kind of put the clamps on um, Hunter Renfro I mean Derek Carr's going to be thrown to the likes of Zay Jones Brian Edwards guys who really have not been difference makers in their careers on the other side of the ball defensive ends Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe that makes a pretty good tandem right there Probably one of the best or the most underrated ones, I would say, at least in the AFC, if not the entire NFL. Ngakwe leads the team with nine sacks, and Colts fans certainly know Yannick Ngakwe from his time with the Jaguars oh, yeah. and tearing them up in that one infamous 10-sack game back in 2017, I want to say it was, whenever it was, or was it 2018, 19? 2018 was the great Andrew Luck year, so it had to be 2017. So yeah, yeah it was, that, it was yeah. that year when when they were in Indianapolis and just a offensive line couldn't stop anybody <clears throat> that season. 
Um, Max Crosby also has six sacks. He was selected to his first Pro Bowl this year. He's had a heck of a year. Uh, so th- those two guys are going to try to get after the quarterback. And, Joe, we've brought up already when we were talking when Chap was on, if Eric Fisher's out, Julian Davenport's in there, and Braden Smith, well, he's on the COVID list right now. So there, there's some real danger, danger Will Robinson, uh, with the uh, the Colts' um, the Colts exterior protection right now. So these guys, they're champing at the bit right now to get out there. Yeah, I mean, the Colts could be down their top two tackles against a defense where their strength really is the two defensive ends, the two guys coming off the edge. So that might make for a... Um, uh, a very dangerous game for whoever's playing quarterback back there. Even more reason to just run the ball. Seriously. I mean, and we've talked about this before. Again, NFL is so set on matchups. And that's why for years the Colts were a bad matchup for the Patriots. Um, and and Tom, not not saying that Tom Brady wasn't an elite quarterback, but, man, it was, it was really tough sledding for them against that Pats defense for so long. Uh, and this, this Colts offense, if they're down both tackles, that is a really, really tough matchup against the <clears throat> against the Raiders defense. So something to watch out for throughout this week. Like I said, you can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone for uh, injury updates and uh, Colts fans knocking on wood that at least Braden Smith would, will be active on Sunday afternoon, even if Eric Fisher is a little bit more doubtful uh, at this point in, in the week, at least. The Raiders offense has struggled since uh, the losses of Hen- excuse me, Henry Ruggs and Darren Waller. They failed to score 20 points in seven of their last eight games. Joe, that is... That is that is bad. That's really bad. With the way the Colts defense is playing lately, that's again that goes to a great, good matchup. We're talking matchups. This this Raiders team is struggling on offense. The Colts defense is ascending. So that's something I think Colts fans should feel pretty good about. In spite of the fact that you just look at the stats and you say, "Oh shoot, Derek Carr's in the top five in the NFL in touchdown uh, uh, in in passing yards." I know he's up there in touchdown passes too. I don't know exactly what it is. I know he's taken a few steps down because he's been struggling a bit recently, but. Um, but look at that number, and it's like, oh my goodness, they're trying, they're really struggling to score the ball, and the Colts defense is coming on lately. I think you feel pretty good about that if you're a Colts fan looking at this weekend. Yeah, especially with all the playmakers that have Colts, the Colts have coming back to their defense yeah. from the COVID list, and I mean, it, this game's kind of set up to where if the Colts can just handle their business, play good defense, run the damn ball, it might not matter so much who's playing quarterback. It might not. It might not. They're uh, 3.8 yards per carry, ranks 28th in the NFL, by the way, so definitely a team that passes passes, and passes some more. They'll run from time to time, uh, but they're, they're mainly a passing offense. Uh, their defense has allowed the seventh most points per game, allowing 26 about points per game. Their average in the pack uh, against the pass and the run, a little bit better against the pass than they are uh, against the run. Uh, they're right around the same uh, spot as the Colts. They're 21st in sacks with 31. The Colts have 20 sacks this year. But they don't take away the ball too much, Joe. That's a big difference, obviously, between the Colts and and the Raiders. They only have 13 takeaways and the fewest interceptions interceptions this year with five. So if you're talking about matchups, again, if this is Sam Ellinger's first start at quarterback in the NFL, you're facing a defense that does not take the ball away too often, that doesn't intercept too many passes. I mean, if they see a rookie quarterback, I'm sure they're licking their lips again at that. But nevertheless, it's not a defense that uh, is either designed as much as the Colts is to generate takeaways or it's not one that is efficient at generating takeaways, even if that is more of the design. It's just not happening for them this year. Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, their top cornerback, Casey Hayward, was on the COVID list. So we'll see. They might be down him. They might be down their Pro Bowl linebacker. Uh, It's now within the rules that they could return for this game. But a defense that has struggled to cause turnovers might be down two of their best playmakers um, in their back seven there. So this Las Vegas team is still a team. You know, the Raiders 
historically have been a bad team for years now. It's added talent to the roster, but they're still got a long way to go. And, you know, losing the head coach midseason certainly didn't help. No, it did not. Keys to the game, as uh, our uh, illustrious podcast producer Joe Hopkins points out, number one is run, JT, run. The Colts are still undefeated when Jonathan Taylor tops 100 rushing yards. Both in his career, I think he has two or three last year, and the season as a whole, 9-0 and this year when he beat, beats 100 yards, 0-6 when he falls short of 100 yards. It's a very simple metric. Get Jonathan Taylor to 100 yards, you win the game. Taylor's rushed for more than 100 yards in six of their last seven. The Colts have won six of their last seven, naturally. And uh, protect your tackle from uh, the Vegas pass rushers by generating a good running game. Joe, if you can establish your physicality as an offensive line and, and attacking the defense of the Raiders, that just slows them down a step. You don't want them to be rushing the passer, rushing the passer over and over and over again. They're just right off the off the snap in the backfield. You need them thinking that you're coming at them, not just giving them the, the green light to come after you. So establish that run game, like you said, so that they just need to think a little bit at the start of every play. Just give those tackles, whether they're the starters or the backups in there, just a little bit extra trying to protect Carson Wentz or Sam Ellinger or whoever it's going to be back there for the Colts this weekend. Yeah, we saw in the Cardinals game, Jonathan Taylor rip off that 40-plus yard run on the very first offensive play for the Colts. The Cardinals did a good job of kind of containing him for the rest of the game, but you know that breakaway ability of Jonathan Taylor was in their mind for the entire game and really impacted the defense. And so if the Colts can run the ball well early, that's going to have the same effect against the Raiders here. And this Raider team, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, I believe last year had his best game against this Raiders team where he's breaking off runs and they just made it look easy against them. I know the team has changed over the past year, but this should be a team who you know, regardless of if they have to worry about Wentz or Ellinger at quarterback, the Colts should be able to run against these guys. You can also win the turnover battle against these guys. The Colts are second in the NFL in takeaways with 31. The Raiders are 29th with takeaways with 13. That's been a strength for the Colts all season long. But in this case in particular, it can be something that really falls in their favor, uh, especially with Darius Leonard back in the lineup. I mean, when Darius uh, was out last week, immediately your mind goes to, Oh boy, well, where are the, t- where are the turnovers going to come from? Where are the takeaways going to come from? Because he's in on so many of them. Certainly not all of them for the Colts, but his presence also yeah. uh, is just so important and for them. They didn't have role. any last week. Exactly. Which I mentioned this to myself on Monday's podcast. How does a safety not count as a turnover? Because the defense gets them in the end zone and then yeah. they have to punt the ball back to you. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not sure how that doesn't count as a turnover, but based on the NFL's um, ruling, it doesn't. Well, well, former uh, former Indy Star Colts reporter Jim Ayalo is also uh, very much of the mindset that safety should be worth like four or five points or something, just because they're much rarer. And uh, he he'll, he'll argue that to the death. Okay, I think so. Yeah, we, maybe you can join him and uh, and make them a, a turnover play I, as well. I very least think they should be marked as a turnover because okay. your team's getting the ball back. Yes, I'll have to wrap my head around this four or five points thing. But anyway, he brought it up to like Justin Houston last year, you know, and Houston <laughs> like shares the NFL lead all time in, in safety. So so Justin was of course on board. I'm that, sure that he it was should be all about it. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, this is this is just a game. I hate to oversimplify this, but this is just a game where if the Colts take care of their business, they'll win the game. They're just up and down a better team than this Raiders team. And so it's going to take things like mistakes, turnovers, penalties, things of those nature for the Colts to find a way to lose. And if you can get after Derek Carr, that'd be fantastic, too. Not David Carr. 
uh, from the years past uh, in Houston. Oops, I see. I wrote his brother's name there. Joe, uh, Joe, thinking about the old Houston Texans uh, originally. Uh, and, they need uh, to get after Derek like the Colts used to get after David. Like everyone used to get after David, to be fair. But yes, uh, as Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney used to get after David Carr, it would be really nice. Don't allow time for the wide receivers to get open. Uh, make uh, De- Derek Carr. Now, see, now you're screwing me up. <laughs> make him uh, take the short, quick throw. That worked really well, by the way, last week on that last uh, Cardinals drive. Uh, when they got the ball back with, I don't know how long exactly it was, maybe it's like five three yeah, minutes. Yeah, or I something. think it was a little bit even more maybe than that. Four minutes. Yeah, maybe yeah. four or five minutes, like four and change. Like they had time to score twice, but the Colts just didn't give them anything long. They kept getting four yards, five yards, and they kept them in bounds. The clock kept, kept running. That was. That was a really impressive drive. I mean, when you look back on this cold season, excuse me, we probably won't remember that drive too much, but I think it, it, at the time it was it was clutch. It was crucial because they kept moving the ball, so you're like, eh, whatever, but but that, that clock just kept winding down, kept winding down, so they eventually decided to kick the field goal and try the onside kick because they knew they were running out of time. They needed to, they, they didn't have time to try to shoot it at the end zone a couple times. They, they needed all the time they could get, get the kick, and then see if you can get the onside kick. So yeah, that was uh, anyway. That's just a quick non sequitur uh, there about that drive. I thought it was really, really good, really impressive. But um, it's the same defense they need to play against right, the Raiders. Right. Just, don't give them anything deep. Right. Don't give them anything to make this team think that they can finally score twenty points in a ball game. Uh, just get after Derek Carr. Make him even if you don't get to him for five sacks. Make him get the ball. Uh, out of his hands and into the hands of his receivers where the Colts are so good at coming up and making tackles. They've been a pretty good tackling team all year round. And, and he is, Carr is uh, able to elude some tacklers, but he's certainly not in the capability of uh, Kyler Murray, who they had to face last week. Man, when he took off that one time, like I was impressed that George Odom was able to run him down, but he just, and he's gone. Like give him a half a second and he's out of the pocket. He squeaks out so, so well, so impressively. I think he's a heck of a young quarterback. Uh, and, and if his if his arm talent catches up with his leg talent, which the, you certainly see signs that it's there, uh, he's going to be a really dangerous player uh, for a long time. You're glad that he's not in your division uh, if you're a Colts fan. Um, let's get to our predictions for this week. The fan duel line has the Colts favored six and a half points over under set at forty four and a half. So the number is probably about what is that like a twenty four to sixteen? No, like a twenty five to nineteen ball game. Yeah, yeah, something yeah, that, right tw- 24 there. to 20, yeah, something 24 like that. 20, right around that range. Um, uh, Mike Chappell does give his prediction as Colts 27-24, so we can't steal his prediction this week. He uh, let us know that as the Beach Grove Wi-Fi, uh, the Beach Grove texting is still working. So they still have, uh, maybe we can get in touch with his Beach Grove beeper and uh, get him <laughs> back on the show next week. But uh, but nevertheless, Chapp thinks the Colts pulled this one out 27-24. Um, I, I'm going to go a little bit lower. I think that the Colts do still win. I think maybe a 24 to 16 ball game. I don't think the Raiders are going to crack 20 if they've only cracked 20 like once in their past seven or eight games uh, with the way that this Colts defense is playing. So I think that they, they win kind of comfortably and the Raiders get a score near the end as they're trying to catch back up. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't think that they're all that deep. Of course, all this, like I, I, have to, I have to preface this by saying I'm anticipating Carson Wentz plays in this game. Uh, with with my prediction, I'll be direct on that. And if you ask me to to bet on that either way, I would say it's fifty fifty. Like I, this is not based on me with any insider information uh, as to how Carson Wentz is feeling right now. But uh, I just don't. I just I, I'm not going to predict that he won't based on the information that we have right now. And there's so many other players, of course, as well that are very much in limbo. So many of them are going to have an impact on this game for better or for worse. So I'm I'm trying to give it just with uh, with as much um, 
as much leniency for both teams getting players back as possible is what I'm thinking. I just think the Colts at full strength are better than the Raiders at full strength right now. And if um, if one team or the other uh, loses a couple players, uh, the Colts can stand to lose a few more than the Raiders can and still come out on top. At least that's what it seems like the way these two teams are playing entering this weekend. Joe, what do you think? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I don't think the Raiders top 20 points either. I, I am gonna go with the Colts 27 to 17. If it's Ellinger instead of uh, Carson Wentz, maybe the Colts 20 to 17. I think maybe a touchdown difference um is what what would what we would be looking at there because the Colts primarily are going to run the ball with Jonathan Taylor anyway and why wouldn't they I mean it doesn't take a, a genius to come up with that game plan so uh but I do think Carson Wentz plays so my fan, final answer would be 27 to 17 Colts with another victory you can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone for more news and notes on the Colts and injury updates throughout the week as well as the Las Vegas Raiders the Colts host the Raiders on Sunday afternoon one o'clock kickoff broadcast in central Indiana on Fox 59 and join us at 11:30 a.m. over on our partner CBS 4 for the Blue Zone pregame show at 11:30 a.m. Sunday. I'm Dave Griffiths. You can find me on Twitter at, at @davegg underscore sports. Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe, and Mike Chapel is at mchapel51. Be sure to log on to fox59.com, cbs4indy.com, and find all of Mike's work leading up to this weekend's game against the Raiders. We appreciate you listening, and hope you tune in next week for the Colts Blue Zone podcast. <laughs>